And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Non-Gloating Morris. <laughs> and I'm Simon Sandsbury. So? Dear listener, I think we have to give an advisory note, don't we, Simon, before we get into this, in that you are not a particularly well man. Before we get into the election bit, spinal malady? Uh, yeah, I... Um, well... This is where you'll be glad that it's a podcast rather than um, anything visual based. Um, but in my excitement to get ready and start campaigning and doing what I needed to do on election day, I did my back in in the shower. And then what transpired basically after 40 minutes of trying to find a way to get out of the shower was that pretty much I've been incapacitated from being able to do anything. Um, terribly useful, so wasn't able to go to the count, wasn't able to um, go campaign. Um, and it would be fair to say that you are still, as we sit here on Saturday lunchtime, in a haze of pain-killing medicines. Yeah. So your usual crisp and insightful yeah. humorousy might not be at the top. Yeah. So I've, yeah. So don't you know? I've not been on the tram at all this early on a Saturday. No, it's not that. But um, but yeah. But I um, I at least managed to hobble up the road to vote because you know at the end of the day I wasn't I wasn't going to not vote. Um, with my walking stick, so I did my best impression of an octogenarian that had lost control of his bowels, basically stumbling down the street to vote. Um, but, you know, um, I just wanted to fit in with loads of Tory voters, I guess. Well, indeed, yes. Indeed, yes. I think you've... Uh, <laughs> Which I wasn't one of, no, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> just to clarify. You, I think you might need to get your digs in early today. <laughs> well, let's face it, this one's going to be a bumpy road. So let's have a look at the, the local scene. We... We forecast a land... What, did it, did it not go well? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, poor Simon has been on the meds to such a degree. This this could be a whole... Uh, stay with us, listener. This could be a journey for Simon that's, that's not going to end well. Um, so, yes. Portsmouth South. No, yes. Portsmouth North. We'll start with the North, where we said we thought um, Penny Mordant was, a, was home and dry. And... Uh, so it turned out to be. Uh, yes, and Penny was very home and very dry. Um, yes, she increased her vote share by six uh, six point six points, um, and uh, yes, yeah, so sixty one point four percent of the vote. Wow! So um, the Tories definitely came out of the woodwork in in Portsmouth North. Yes, yes, no, a lot of them, mm -hmm. um, and the you. Chaps tweaked up a little bit in the uh, in the north. Uh, yeah, we 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 um, our vote share went up by one point nine uh, points, so three thousand four hundred nineteen votes. Um, so we were, but we were in third place. Um, second place was Amanda with her twelve thousand three hundred ninety two votes, um, but that was a dip of six point seven points in the we, vote share. Yeah. So again, it looks uh, you know, uh, and we'll get into this in more depth later, but. It, it looks like people have taken the 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 polar the flip of the coin to go from red to blue. Uh, perhaps so. Yeah. Um, I I wonder whether what's happened was that, um, and I think well we'll get into some of the detail of that. Yeah. But whether the, whether some of the blues have gone, sorry, whether some of the reds have gone gone blue. That seems to be some of the some of the narrative that we're hearing from up up the country yep. in, in some of the um, the northern constituencies so that's that's kind of what happening people where in constituencies where generations of people have as Boris said himself said himself their pencils wavered a bit over the over the boxes as, they, as they've ticked it um, and 
you know, remembering their, um, you know, their, their ancestors perhaps spinning in their graves to, to yeah, see them voting right. Tory. Yes, um, yes. But that's kind of what's happened. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's an interesting narrative there. Um, the Greens done well, nearly doubling their votes. Um, and independent George Madrick came last. Yes, by, by some distance. So, uh, yes. For, um, for, former UKIP man, um, they're standing as an independent and, uh, yeah, firmly at the bottom of the stack. So, uh, again, kind of, we saw that sort of result mirrored locally. Again, I'd sort of skimmed through the, the gospel and the fairum and the haven't and the, mm. you know, Flick Drummond returned in East Hampshire, is it Meon Valley? Meon Valley, Meon. you know, all of the Conservatives there getting around the 60% and over mark. It was a, um, it was a, a, a great day for us in the South with perhaps the one exception, our three-way marginal that we thought was going to be a big old scuffle. Which way was it going to go? Portsmouth South. Yeah. So Portsmouth South, Stephen Morgan held on to his seat, um, but held on to it very convincingly by extending his his vote share by 7.6 points. Um, so and he that, got 48.6% of the vote. And, you know, when we look at, when we did our analysis on Portsmouth South, you know, I think it was in the 20, I want to say in the 2010 vote, they got about 5,000 votes in Portsmouth South. Mm. And how many did you pick up this time? Uh, 23,068. Wow. So we have got to congratulate Stephen Morgan. Yeah, you know, he has, um, he has, he's ran a very good campaign, um, convinced the electorate very strongly that, um, you know, he was the anti kind of, you know, if you don't want the Tories, you've got to vote for Stephen. And, um, well, yeah, he's, he, I mean, at the end of the day, um, he has a, a large personal following. Yep. No. So he, there's a large personal vote share for him. Um, he's a um, he's a very charismatic yeah. um, um, candidate, and he, he connects well with people. Um, and to be honest, they they've done a very good job of um, demonstrating that, of, or making the case that um, they were the only people that could stop Donna effectively to stop sorry to stop the Conservative yeah. candidate uh, from winning in, Port, in Portsmouth South. Um, and although we had a poll early on in the campaign that went our way, all of the polls kind of since then, um, and indeed some of the things that weren't polls, like the MRP stuff and the, you know things like that, yep. um, didn't. And indeed the tactical voting sites all kind of went Stephen's way. So if anything, that was kind of that was pretty much a a riding of a wave. Yep. Um, and um, he was able to get some high-level faces down from uh, from the Labour front bench. Um, to come into to come to Portsmouth, so Keir Starmer came down, um, Emily Thornbury came down. So um, I don't think Jezza came down. He came to Southampton, but didn't swing to Portsmouth. No, interesting. Um, interesting. The two names that came down, two of the uh, hot favourites to. Um... Yeah. So the, yeah. So the, it's it's quite interesting. But I think that that I think probably Stephen's personal um, personal value, if you like, is is probably what had a greater effect yep. than anything kind of nationally that the Labour Party did and that's probably why they've bucked the national trend of the yep. Labour Party. No, no, and again from a pure, from a purely observational standpoint, you know, for me he's he's run a near perfect campaign mm. and um, 
and uh, has, has gone himself home. I think Donna was second with about 17... Yeah, 17,705 votes. And how was that for us compared to last time? Um, so just down by 0.2 percentage so points. So rock, pretty much even. Rock solid. So, And it looks like that, that squeeze that was put on, um, you know, yeah. by the left hurt you guys in Portsmouth South. Uh, yeah, I, it, it certainly looks like that. I mean, I've, I, I, I've spoke to people that have, you know, that were giving their vote to um, Stephen this time because they were that frightened of a Conservative win. So I think, um, yeah, we, we were really, really effectively squeezed um, locally. Um, you know, lots of people will, will spend time doing a post-mortem about local or national campaigns. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the interesting thing is that kind of, I think nationally we started off well, but we perhaps peaked too soon. Yeah. Um, and you know, from a point of view, maybe, maybe that a bit of that was reflected locally as well, because we had a really good start in that poll yep. result, yeah, no. um, which the Labour Party did um, did a, did a lo did lots of um, digital campaigning to basically try to discredit. Um, but at the end of the day, the subsequent polls didn't didn't go our way. Um, it did seem strange that less than two weeks later the results kind of switched massively from one way to the other. But there's, um, you know, that's the way it is. At the two, end of the day, the voters made their decision. Yeah, two weeks can be a long, long time in it, politics. It, and it certainly has been in this campaign. There's been, there's been a lot of change. There have been a lot of things. Um, there's some things that, you know, I, I'd go away and reflect on. But I think, I think probably nationally, our, our strategy relied on... Um, Tory voters that were in favour of Remain that had been disenfranchised by basically how hard Brexity um, Boris Johnson had gone, or indeed even locally how hard Brexity both Penny and Donna were, yep. um, might be inclined to lend us their vote. And likewise, um, Labour supporters that didn't like Corbyn um, would of be inclined which to. There seem to have been yeah. an awful lot. We'll cover that in a bit. Yeah, um, we, we do. You know, the, I, I think the strat our strategy effectively relied on both those groups. Um, switching their support to us on this occasion. Um, as ever happens, we got squeezed effectively from the left and the right, which, you know, being a centrist party, that's what happens. Um, and I think the people that were Tories that may have been inclined to vote for us were too frightened of Corbyn winning. And the people that were on the left that were in, that may possibly have been inclined to have voted for us, you know, regarding uh, Brexit or not liking Corbyn, were too frightened of um, you know locally of a of a Tory majority, so either you know didn't come to us, yep. you know stuck with Labour. And certainly in Portsmouth South, they they went with you know they went with Labour and took some of our our natural supporters with them. Um, but that, you know yep. that's where it so is. So it leaves Portsmouth with two fascinating facts. Mm. One is that we are of course the tale of three cities. We're blue in the north, we're red in the south. The local councils run by the Lib Dems. I'm yeah. sure there are going to be too, too many who have that level of colourfulness. And then the final and slightly terrifying yet damning stat, the curse. The, the curse of the podcast? Yeah. So are you saying that they won because they weren't on the podcast? Yes. That's what the statistics tell us, Simon. As well, we know in this election, well, statistics can be made to look... 
well, yeah, that you want. Correlation and isn't causation, is it? No, no, absolutely no. not. So, no. so um, and of course, the, the, the offer is out there. We we do like a Winners of Grinners special. So yeah. uh, if any of Stephen or Penny's people are listening or you know, even listening themselves, then uh, we would love to sit down and, uh, and uh, have a cup of tea with you. Yeah, it's um yeah we'd 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 love to have them on. Um, it was an interesting, um and you know correct, um opinion that you know the the incumbents had the most to lose by coming on. Yep. Um and you know at the end of the day, um, are we really surprised at the result? No, not really. I was hope I hoped for Portsmouth South, and I think if you look at the national picture, I could have hoped. But I thought Portsmouth North was always going to be good. So I think, speaking of cup of tea, yeah. it's time for a brew, and then we'll have a look at the old national results. And we're back, and you've, you've missed in the interlude Simon swearing like a fishwife due to his, <laughs> um, his spinal malady. So we're, we're hoping the last section is going to remain clean. So at a national level, the exit pong projected the number up on the side of the BBC at 368 um, which by my jaw dropped and I did the no and I think we ended up there's now a conservative MP for every day of the year if I my memory serves me right <laughs> uh, yeah that's true yes 365 365 and I think that was a gain of 47 47 Memory, cons- laboured, was it down? Two, 203, two, down two, 59. 203, down 59. And massacred in their heartlands. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of, lots of people that generationally would have been uh, Labour supporters, you know, old you know, mining communities and uh, places like that. But again, it's just that kind of speak to, I think, a lot of the narrative that seems to be, and I don't know whether the BBC just purposely seeks out people that hate Brexit, Sorry, that just you know that hate the love. Sorry, that love Brexit, not hate Brexit. In whenever they go to do vox pops in places like that, but nonetheless, they seem to find them really readily. And it's just the I think the whole narrative that Dominic Cummings effectively sold from the Tory parties was the get Brexit done yeah. kind of thing. Of we're sick of talking about this. Can we just do something else now? Um, again, I think that was that was a really well bought um, and. You know, considering all of the all of the failings that Boris Johnson has as a as a personality and as a as a leader, um, unfortunately, Labour managed to be. You know, how awful do you have to be to be more awful than than that? And the public the public have said, well, quite considerably, actually. Thanks. Yeah, and and when you look at those when you look at those areas, you know, and again some of those traditional, you know, the Midlands and the Northern, mm. that they were, they were 60, 62, 63% kind of leave. And so I guess, you know, when they do the box pops, it, you know, you speak to, you know, you speak to 10 people, mm. you know, six, six of them are going to say, well, I voted to, to leave. And, and it was interesting. I was listening to Anna, somebody who had been the Labour MP for Redcar. Who had lost her seat, and and she was, you know, speaking on the BBC. She said, you know, when I knocked on the door, and and you know, four doors in a row, people said to me, "I'm ever so sorry. You've been a great MP for us. You know, you've worked hard for the community, but I can't vote to put Jeremy Corbyn in number ten." Um, 
you know that 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 message kind of you know for me it's that two pronged attack of of Corbyn uh, to say he's Marmite just doesn't do I don't think it does Marmite. It's really unfair to Marmite. It doesn't do Marmite justice because <laughs> the people that the people that believe in him and his message you know all just are so zealous and passionate and and you know again it's that. How can we both be looking at the same person and just come to two completely different conclusions? Uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, there are only two types of campaigns, aren't there? There are, it's time for change, or it isn't time for change. Um, and Boris Johnson managed really effectively to say, it's, it is actually time for change, but although I'm the same party that has actually been in charge for the last nine years and caused X, Y, Z issues um, with these, you know, with the issues about underinvestment and you know getting rid of, you know, um, police officers and you know problems recruiting nurses and all of those sorts of things, but he's really sold effectively actually that I am the change, yeah. even though I'm the same party. But I am the change. But in order to do that, I need I need a majority government to do it in order to stop the, um, as, he, as he said, the dither and delay, so the actual the argument in Parliament. So it's really quite interesting that the public have actually heard that message and effectively delivered it. Yep. Um, of course, it was the public themselves that delivered the people that were in Parliament in 2017. I, so it, he, it's almost like people wanted, but there was, there was obviously a, a difference on lots of different, you know, difference of views on lots of different issues. Um, namely on Brexit, yep. but fundamentally, after three and a half years, the public have said, "I've had enough now." Yeah, and 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 I I, I look at it, at, you know, 2017, the Labour manifesto pledged strongly that they would deliver on the result. You know, they they were still at that point telling the telling the the Leave, even though the vast majority of their party didn't support it, there was still a kind, you know, there was a chunk that did, and they were giving the message. It, it, your Brexit's safe with us, and I think you know, having seen, you know, the 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 performance over the last year, probably it it was a case of something snapped. And when you put the Brexit and the um, unelectable leader, unelectable leader, you stir those two ingredients together, and it it's been a massacre. It's the lowest number of seats I think since nineteen thirty five. Yep. Um, and the other argument is that no party has ever come back off the canvas in one cycle, no. um, you know, to get yourself back. So it, it's that, you know, uh, and and fascinating. Again, one of the things that, that I, I struck me this morning was the the irony of the fact that through his entire political career, Jeremy Corbyn has only ever voted for what Jeremy Corbyn thinks. And would never tow the party line, you know, 500 times has defied the whip. And what's ultimately cost him his job, I think, as well as, you know, if I leave his personality aside, is the fact that he would not take, he wouldn't go for what he believed in. He's, he's, been, he's been a Brexiter pretty much all of his life. And he just wouldn't say that out loud. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, from a leadership perspective, the... I'm going to do a deal and then I'm just going to sit with my arms folded and let everybody else decide. Oh, not a 
See, I, I think there was a point where that, um, where that argument could have been made and it could have been affected and could have worked. But it had gone on so long and despite spending the last 18 months complaining and saying there should be a general election and folding his arms every time there was an opportunity to call for one and then moaning about the fact that one was called um, or what you know one was you know having one was was actually done seems kind of really strange as well as see I think the the, the riding the, the trying to serve two masters thing really didn't pay off nope. because all that happened was that people that really wanted to wanted leave to continue basically wanted us to get on with leaving the EU yep um, as far as they were concerned the Labour position was too Remainy yep and for all of the Remainers Labour's position was far too leavey. Yep. So um, they managed to please nobody in that regard, obfuscating around the biggest issue fan, um, facing the, the country at the time. And it just took him too long to be dragged to their current position. Had they arrived at that position, I think two years earlier, they might have. Um, might have been different. They, it might. It might have been a different. It might have been a different um, situation, because you know, time and time again, seventeen times. Um, he whipped his party to either abstain or vote against any attempts to attach the requirement of a confirmatory vote to any motions in Parliament. So we are where we are. Um, you know, my, my opinions about um, whether we are better off in or out of Europe are quite clear. Yep. But at the end of the day, okay, that's done now. Yeah, yeah. And then, right? Um, and I think if anything... The only thing that has, has allowed people like me to hope that there was a chance of actually stepping back from the precipice was actually how awfully Theresa May um, dealt with Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we are where we are. The post-mortem doesn't help. Um, we now have a Conservative majority. I think you're right that um, sadly that might mean that um, we see not just this parliamentary term with a conservative majority but the next one as well because I find it really hard to imagine how the Labour Party can come from 203 seats to um, to actually 320 yeah, odd to you know in one electoral cycle yeah. um, that would require them to find a new leader they, they would have to find a new leader and and look you know it's it uh, as we chatted uh, during the break about campaigns the only way, the only thing for me that will change is if the actions following the leaving of the European Union turned into a car crash and a horror show. You know, that, that and I don't think it will happen, but if, if it was economically, socially, was just a complete disaster area, you know, or train wreck or whatever superlative you want to use, that is the only thing I can, I can see changing the direction. And, you know, irrespective of our personal politics, I don't think any of us would want to see, you know, the country in ruins simply to facilitate a change in political leadership. Uh, no, I don't, at the end of the day, I have never wanted to be more wrong about something in my life. I want to be wrong about Brexit. Yep. Um, because I don't want the country to do badly. I, the last thing I'm going to be doing is celebrating if actually push comes to shove and actually the brown sticky stuff is against the wall yep. um, at the end of the day we are where we are we're going ahead with it there is a, there, I, I can understand the argument of you need that so, sort of if you if you weren't if you didn't have a majority you needed to actually bring people along with you 
Theresa May had neither, did neither. Nope. Um, and unfortunately, that's what's caused most of the issues over, over the last um, several years. Um, unfortunately, Theresa May was the Prime Minister because Boris Johnson backed out of actually the leadership campaign back in, yep. back in 2016. But again, we, you know, we are where we are. I do worry that this will feed, so however Brexit goes, it will feed uh, calls for, a, for another referendum for Scotland, for independence. Yeah, well, the SNP did very well. 48 yeah. seats up, I think, another dozen or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've also seen the rise of nationalism in, in uh, Northern Ireland as well, with the nationalists now holding more seats yes. than the unionists. Um, yeah, I mean, how that plays out, uh, again, the interesting thing on the Scottish question is, you know, Nicola Sturgeon is demanding her second referendum, um, but for her to have one, uh, the law's got to change, and that's got to get through the Westminster Parliament, and, you know, the position is pretty clear from, you know, from Boris has already made his position clear, and the Conservative and Unionist Party has made their position clear, which is... You're not getting one. Um, it is, but I don't think that their reasons will hold water. I don't think they'll see that. There's a there's a wonderful, beautiful irony in a group of people that have have successfully campaigned to leave a union because yep. they felt that they weren't represented and their voice wasn't heard, and they wanted to take back control, to use their own words. Yep. Um, and they wanted to, in their own words, respect the will of the people. Yep. Um, what they falsely claimed was the largest democratic vote, even though it, it wasn't, but nonetheless, it was a referendum, it was held, it was done, that's it. Um, want to deny the ability of the Scottish people to decide what their future is and whether they remain in our union. So in that, in that kind of respect, I... I it's a double-edged sword, isn't it's it? A, it's a double-edged yeah. sword. If, if, you're, if you're in favour of the United Kingdom leaving Europe for all the reasons people discuss, then you should be in favour of the Scots being able to decide their own destiny and whether they leave our union. Yeah, or you, you know, the flip side to that coin is, is you can look at the amount of distraction, disharmony, discord and general malaise that that's caused the nation over the last three and a half years and look at it you know, through the lens of, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Scotland had their independence vote mm -hmm. and, and chose to stay. You know, you go, oh yeah, but we're leaving the EU. So yeah, it, it, I, I can see it from, from both angles. Yeah, yeah. So Divorce is hard. Do, yeah, yeah, it. yeah, no, the Greens got their one and we better touch on the Liberal Democrats, our, our yellow yeah. friends. So uh, um, unfortunately, Joe Swinson lost her seat. Um, the SNB took that seat. Um, Nicola Sturgeon seemed to be quite excised. I try and say that properly. Yep. Excised about that. Um, but yeah, so we've gone down from... 12 at the last general to to 11 this point which is um which is which is you know sad at the end of the day it's strange that on our political system we although our vote share went up by over four percent yep um our actual number of mps went down um, yeah so I'm, it's a it's I, a weird one I, I, well I, I look at it you know through but, the lens of uh, and again it, you know we can talk about what comes next and and I, I, I do genuinely feel for the Liberal Democrats, whilst the, you know, from a policy perspective we, we might disagree, I genuinely believe that you 
as a party are oper you know are are operating in the center left ground but unfortunately the attack you know and again in terms of the the, the attack you get is the shoutiness of labor yellow tories yellow tories yellow tories well just because you're a, a bit to the right of the labor party these days doesn't make you right you can be very left and still you know, a long way right of the current leadership of the Labour Party. And I think the, you know, we've touched on it before, your time in coalition, I think, did the whole country good. I think it also set a tone. Um, and, and, you know, the, a number of those policies continue now to be fabulous Conservative policies going forward. So I, I wonder, you know, where next for the... Because obviously... I can't vote in Corbyn. That for me is the centre left, who almost are saying, "I don't want to stay in the Labour Party, but I'm not going to join the Lib Dems because they're not centre left enough." I don't. Where, where, where does the centre? Who occupies the centre left going forward, Simon? Well, see, I, I, I would say that we are kind of centre ground, but probably a bit more left than. Yep. Um, um, than kind of pure pure of centre, and um, there are people. You know, at the end of the day, there are people in the party that are a bit more, you know, to the to the right of that, or a bit more to the left of that. Yeah. Um, but I do think um, Labour ve or some elements in in the Labour Party um, very effectively um, attacked, having spent the last three years moaning about personal attacks on their leader, yep. then actually spent. Uh, an, an inexhaustive amount of energy attacking personally our leader um, from the moment she was actually appointed. Yep, yep. Um, so you know that that was a bit strange, but nonetheless they effectively drew the drew the line, whether correctly or not, between you know between uh, Joe's record in the coalition um, and her voting history, and basically painted us as uh, you know painted us as as yellow Tories. So in that kind of respect, it's almost like. British politics wants to disavow itself of previous administrations, never actually accepting that, yes, mistakes are made, or yes, um, in hindsight, perhaps this policy wasn't the right policy. But However, in, you in, have to do something. But Labour did the same with, with, the, with regards to their own governing history. They pretty, you know, The current Labour Party disavows itself of the successes of the Blair government. Well, and, and that's one of the things that I've loved about this. Victory, and I, again, I, I'm going to crow a little bit here, so forgive me. Blairite scum, Blairite scum, you go and join the Tories, mate. That's what you want to do. And they did. And they did. <laughs> and they did. Well done. Yeah. So, hooray yeah. for your hard left activist that really just wants to, yeah, you will. If it's not Jeremy's, if it's not Jeremy's brand of socialism, I don't want it. Uh, brilliant. Well, you've now got a conservative majority, the like of which hasn't been seen since, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's that I was listening to uh, the Bugle this morning, and Mark Steele was like, he was obviously devastated as he's a, a strong Labour campaigner. It's that, and uh, the the presenter said to him, "So are you actually saying it, it, it was better under Thatcher? Because that's the last time when it went as badly for you." And he's like, "Oh God, no, I wasn't saying that, but but um, yeah, that's where we've got to." So I guess the question is, what next for the Labour Party? Jez has said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on a bit." Wait until we elect the next leader. Now, the question in my mind, or the muse I've been having, is the NEC are almost all Corbynites. The majority of their membership 
who came flocking to Jeremy's new old brand of socialism are quite a chunk of them are the Blairite scum we don't want your centrist left nonsense over here so are they just going to find another Jeremy Corbyn well well that'll be the I mean obviously unless I suddenly join the Labour Party that's not something that I'm going to get a say in but no, I, no, I, but we'll, we'll, I well, we'll, well we could we'll, we'll admire uh, um, so uh, I don't know if admire is the right word but um so yeah, it, it is an interesting question. I find it interesting that, unlike other leaders that have been repeatedly proved to be unsuccessful or unelectable, he hasn't decided to stand down immediately and allow the party to sort itself out. Yep. Um, he's decided to basically hang on without committing to a particular thing other than that he won't, camp he won't be campaigning for the next general election, which could mean that he stays... You know, you know, not being funny. If if we if we assume that a five year term is what's next, then that yep. could mean that he hangs around for the next three years. Um, so I guess the Conservatives would be really happy if he stayed in place. I am. I am. I'm going to go on record now to say that I, I believe his natural successor, and you know, for me, it, it is about you know the the Labour Party, only major political party, never to have a woman lead it. I am putting my my energy, my drive, and my passion for the Labour Party behind my Diane Abbott campaign. Okay, so now we know that um, now we know that Ian is basically just poking fun at them. So I think I, I think there are some people Cor that Corbyn's would... been the best leader the Conservative Party have had for a generation. <laughs> just not in the Conservative Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I get what you mean, and, and I guess it comes down to I, I, the, I guess the thing that you're pointing to is what's more important. Having a party of ideological zealotry yep. with a purity of policy and of passion or the ability to actually get elected and do something to help the people that you say need help. Because you can't do anything if you're not in power. Nope. Um, Alan Johnson laid heavily into, into, uh, in, into basically the, the Corbyn Easters and the, and the, and the Corbyn uh, machine. I think it was on Sky. I didn't catch it, but I, I, I've seen some excerpts of it. But it, so, so to me, I think there are some there are some people that would um, that would actually be good, effective, electable leaders. I think people like uh, Keir Starmer, perhaps Jess Phillips, Emily Thornberry's been mentioned. See, I, I don't know so much about Emily Thornberry. I don't know. I don't think. I, I don't know. I, I can't kind of see her. Um, personally, I don't think someone like Barry Gardner could do it because um, he speaks in such a way that it basically makes me want to just take my own eyeballs out with a pencil. Yep. Um, so I, I just find he kind of turns people off and up by, by kind of over-explaining in much the way that I'm doing right now. So um, I think there are some some really potentially successful electoral candidates for the Labour Party. But, but the fundamental question that you pose is, will the Labour Party choose someone that can win or will they choose someone that, they, that is pure enough? Yep, I know. And, it, and it's, the th it's the question that they, they fudged so effectively when they chose the wrong Miliband brother. Yep. Sorry, Ed. Got a lot of respect for Ed, actually, having listened to his podcast. No, he's good. Uh, he, makes a, he makes a great deal of sense. I think he got a really poor rap. Um, but actually, they decided at that point that they didn't want someone that was a polished performer and was therefore considered to be an heir of Blair. Yep. So they chose someone quite left-leaning, 
Red Ed, as the as the papers called him. Yep. And then when he wasn't successful, they chose someone that he was even further left leaning. Yeah, yeah. They, they, and and this is where this this uh, as we touched on this this purity of it's got to be this way, um, and it's an interesting one because it, it for me it draws parallels in the U.S., which is that if you look at you know the darling of the left in the U.S. is Bernie Sanders. It, it is absolutely clear that if Bernie Sanders is the next is the Democratic presidential candidate in the next election? Donald, Donald Trump is home and hosed and and you know like you say. So I think they've got some big questions. Obviously, the Lib Dems will will need to find a new leader and. and well, yeah, constitutionally, um, our leader has to be an MP. Yeah. So um, um, so I guess well we've got a field of eleven to choose from. So yeah. So nearly as many as the Tory leadership campaign. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's going to be that's if every one of them. Went. And as I say, I think it's you know again, it, I think it's unfortunate for you in that. I think if you had some new blood in there that hadn't been, you know, I don't know whether all of those eleven had been in coalition. Um, it, it feels to me like you know somehow you've got to break that link with the past. Um, you know, because there's an element of, you know, Ed Davey was, you know, second place last time. And for me, and again, not in my jokey Diane Abbott way, um, but I actually thought, for me, he looked the better of the two candidates. Um, but again, he, he's another one who, you know, again, in his collaborative voting record in coalition means that the, the the zero sites will be on him if it if it's him next time round. Um, well, he's I mean he's got strong environmental credentials, yep. but I do think yeah we ideally I think we probably should it would be effective for us to have someone that wasn't involved with the coalition, having been so effectively stung with the tainting of the past. Yep. Um, whether whether I agree with that point or not, because I, I oh, agree I with you. Some, I think I there think are, there are things that we did wrong in yep. the coalition, there are things that we did, we did well, but nonetheless, it proved to be an effective weapon with which to beat us with. And, and again, do you, do you want, as it, so it's reflecting the same question we're asking of the Labour Party, do you want your party's ideal candidate or do you want someone that can get elected? Do you want someone that, that can actually win? Um, I think as Liberal Democrats, the thing that we suffer from is that we can if we can get you to listen long enough, we stand a good chance of changing your mind or at least opening a decent conversation and maybe getting you to support us. Our fundamental challenge, though, is getting people to listen long enough. Yep. Right? Um, You're not very good at being shouty. No, we're not. We're too nice. We're just too darn nice. Yep. We're, we're not. Um, uh, and, and if anything, you know, that as much as I have policy agreements personally um, about some of the stuff on the left, I couldn't. To be honest, hang around with a bunch of shouty. You're an evil yeah. bleep because you, of this. You, you know, hate the disabled. You yeah, yeah. Do. All, all this you kind want of to beat stuff. The poor. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I just think that actually in the real world you need consensus politics. You have to find compromise, and in any any sort of situation, you don't always get what you want. You have to actually um, go with what you you know what what you can deliver. So it's better to do something that isn't perfect than to deliver nothing because you basically clung to your desire to have the perfect thing that you want and indeed that was what so didn't work for the ERG under Theresa May nope. they were you know they were hanging on for their their perfect Brexit um at the end of the day 
reality life is about compromise. I think maybe someone like Leila Moran would be a very, uh, very effective leader. She's very, um, she presents very well. She, um, you know, she motivates people really, really well. She isn't um, tainted with, with things about the, the coalition. But I know that last time she decided she was, wasn't going to um, put her hat into the ring for the, for the leadership because she felt that having been so recently elected in, in Oxford, Oxford, Oxfordshire and Abington, Yep. That she was, um, that she didn't feel that was the right time for her to stand as leader. That she wanted to basically um, get a bit of time. Get, so. get a bit of time actually yep. be, being an MP. So I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, well, we do, you know, we'll do, do we, we, we shall see at the end of the day. But the I think the party are meeting. So there's a federal meeting going on today to kind of figure out you know what the hell is the way forward. Um, but we're Liberal Democrats. We're used to without this sounding really trite and self-defeating, we're used to not winning, yep. but we're used to not winning and picking ourselves back up again and, and continuing. So um, we'll carry on. Yep, so to summarise the election, it, it, it's, a it's a Tory landslide. And you know, my, my hope is that, is that Boris sticks very, very clearly to the one nation conservative agenda. Uh, again, it's it's the piece that appealed to me. I think we, we've we've come through a period where, you know, again, it's holding your hands up and saying we perhaps went a bit too far. And, you know, in politics, admitting you've made a mistake is something kind of, you know, it doesn't necessarily play well. Um, I, I, I'm very hopeful for the next five years. I, I think if we look at the spending plans, which perhaps were a little bit um, boisterous, but for me, if we follow through on the vast majority of those, um, you know, we get Brexit over the line, and and we start focusing on the important stuff. And again, I, I you know, I'm, I'm I'm pleased with the outcome, um, and uh, yeah, hopeful that that it is going to be a change because the last ten years have been quite hard. Uh, they have. Um, I think there are fundamental once you know at the end of the day, Brexit's done. Yep. Um, or the question about to Brexit or not to Brexit is done. Yep. The execution of it will take years to actually kind of come yeah, yeah. good. But um, but at the end of the day, I think there is a wider conversation to be had about what sort of country do we want to be um, and how do we make sure that a vote in Portsmouth has the same weight as a vote in Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, how do how do we how do we sort out the demographic deficit in our system and our representation? How do we have a country that faces the twenty first century with open eyes and open arms, and where people's opportunity isn't dictated by their place or the circumstances of their birth? Which is the tagline for our upcoming electoral reform special mm -hmm. where we'll have a look into all things proportional representation electronic voting systems and all good stuff but we'll have to do some research on that rather than our usual just turn yeah up yeah tea and chat. In insightful nonsense exactly. um yes but you know well i'm sure people will be riveted to um to expect that but maybe we'll deliver that in the new year because i think perhaps so after this we're going to break for christmas we're going to take a break for christmas unless penny or Stephen yes puts, puts their hand up and says that they're uh, 
they're up for a session, we'll, we'll definitely do then that. We'll, we, we, yeah, the invitation is there. Please, Stephen or Penny, you are quite welcome. Our, our microphone awaits, as do the tea, and we will get some biscuits we'll in. biscuits for that one. Yes, we do. So, if we don't, if you don't hear from us, we'd like to wish you and your family a very happy Christmas. And a fabulous new year. And we'll be back next year. Full of pith and vinegar. Pith and vinegar? Yeah. I don't never know what that means. It's a saying, but I don't know. It what doesn't it means. sound very nice to be Not fair. really. But you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Simon Sansbury. I've been a frankly joyous Ian Tiny Morris. But you've not been too smug about it, to be no, fair. No, 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 no. Oh, and Farage, do one. Um, yes, can can he please? But I understand he's still got he still kept his seat on question time. Yes, yes, it's the only seat he's ever managed to keep. <laughs> okay, so that's the only benefit is that he stops being someone representing us in any way, shape, or form because he's losing his seat in the European Parliament. Yeah, and how does good King Wenceslas like his pizza? Um, deep and crisp and even. Oh, good grief. Right. Ah, okay. And we're done. Oh, there's a cat making a fuss on me. <laughs>